And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, Aaron, sometimes I get the idea for these questions in a very lazy manner. I just look at the title of the episode. I'm like, I have a question. (laughs) My question today, Aaron, is, is there such a thing as a perfect future? I don't think so. Hmm. Unless you count, like, the inevitable heat death of the universe. That's the perfect future? Like, it's gone as far as it could go. So you could say it's finished. Hmm. And so in that sense, it's perfect. It's as good as it's ever going to be, probably. So, and then it dies. Mm. So maybe in in that way. Like what else could you have asked for? Right. According to the laws of thermodynamics, this is the <laughs> perfect outcome. <laughs> right. This is exactly what we anticipated. So yes, it is only appropriate we ask this question for today's episode of Star Trek Stories, episode 36, Future Imperfect. Um. I am your badass host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my swish co-host, Aaron Cole. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. Sheesh. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> it's bad. I, I got to keep coming up with <laughs> with new describers for us. It's it's getting more out there. <laughs> Swish. Yes. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, we are still early in our look at the TNG glory years. Um, Last time we watched Remember Me, um, where we got stuck in a bubble universe with Dr. Crusher and Scott Tuckfield, but I think we came out of that one okay. Um, today we have a new guest host on with us. Um, joining us on the show, we have the very lovely Caitlin Marshall. Hello, Caitlin. I'll say hi. How are you doing? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm good. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everyone gets called lovely on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so glad we could get you on the show. I'm um, glad to be here. Caitlin is uh, one of my fellow managers at Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, and they mm-hmm. just so happened to mention they're a Star Trek fan. I'm like, guess who's coming on the podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very early on. We have many discussions at work about the Star Trek world. Yeah. So, you know, we work at Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, um, but um, your background, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that you are kind of doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah. are in grad school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into, is it, what is it, behavioral? Mental and behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going? And what, and what got you into that in, in the first place? Oh, uh, it's, <laughs> ask me, don't, it's like always the funny line of don't ever ask somebody in graduate school how graduate school's going, because they'll probably <laughs> just break down and cry. <laughs> Be like, why am I here? <laughs> um, well, what wanted me to go get into it is I, my undergrad, um, was in sociology and I had minor in psychology and then a minor of emphasis is what it was technically called was in marriage and family therapy and and then one in behavioral counseling so I had lots of minors I was an overachiever mm. and I got into as an internship for college I worked at a family crisis center so I worked with kids who were victims of abuse in all forms mm. And I think that was really kind of the first drive was when I realized I wanted to help people and I was good at helping people when they felt like everything was doomed and all lost. So I, I just, I love, love helping people. I mean, I know I've definitely been through my fair share of things. So it's always kind of, I feel like a roundabout thing of when you've been through your own you know, shit that it's like a way of, well, I want to use my experience and my knowledge and help others, which sounds, makes me sound like I'm a saint, but I'm really not, but it's, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) She is the Messiah. (laughs) Bow down. (laughs) Um, But no, that's that. I, I honestly just, it's more of, I want to help people just live better lives or help them realize that they can they can live better lives and not feel so trapped mm. and things are you know things are doomed they're endless so that's mostly where the drive came from and the funny thing is is i learned a lot in graduate school you learn so much um but a lot of it just comes from experience 
And but it's one of those things you have to have that nice shiny piece of paper that says, "See, I know what I'm talking about." Mm-hmm. For people to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those hoops you got to jump through. Mm-hmm. Hoops. Mm, hoops. That's a good cu- word. I'm curious um, because the other thing you you do a lot of is. Um, singing and performing. Yeah. Um, the singing, dancing therapist. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you said... One woman show. <laughs> one, one woman show. Uh, I'm curious if any of your, you know, because you said getting into it was, into th- uh, therapy was trying to help people see they can live a better life or kind of offer something something to them. Does, does the singing and performing also... St- kind of come from a similar thing it's different yes but. no it is because music has always been very therapeutic for me music has always been a big part of my life and I gain a lot of centerness calmness um you know with music I love all music all forms of music um I listen to all forms of music and music just genuinely makes me happy but the cool thing is is I I actually do practice music therapy which is a thing and I will actually go to places with memory care patients. And so I'll sing in memory care facilities and utilize some techniques with music therapy that actually helps them cognitively, mm-hmm. you know, remember things, gain, you know, that sort of a thing. So yeah. I do that completely of my own free will and time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, music is definitely a big part of that. And I want to keep implementing music it's it's definitely a therapy for me but i definitely want people to feel like touched by music mm. as much as i do mm. in any way i can very interesting um yeah you're a star trek fan i like one of the things i mean the show is called star trek story so um anytime we have someone new on especially if they're a pre-existing uh, fan we always like to kind of get everyone's little star trek story where does what is your little star trek story where does that come from Oh, mine's funny. So my dad is a huge Star Trek fan. And I, when I was eight, my, you know, way back in the day before, obviously streaming services, you know, when every TV show was on at a certain point at a certain time of night, you know, you turn your TV on. um, Star Trek Generation came on at eight o'clock every night. And I, my bedtime was eight o'clock. And in my eight-year-old mind, if I was thinking I was really smart, I convinced my dad that I wanted to watch Star Trek so bad. And it was just my way of getting to stay up on a school night. And so he let me start watching Star Trek. Well, that was the history because I got sucked into it so fast. And I was suddenly like, this is really cool. And Next Generation was the very first Star Trek I was exposed to. And I then as a young girl developed a massive crush on Wesley Crusher mm. and Wesley fangirl. They I was exist, a Wesley folks. fangirl through the heart. Oh man. <laughs> I, anytime I'd wait for the credits to roll in the beginning and I'd wait after data. And if Wesley popped up, I'd squeal. But then it started by just like, there's others, there's other series, there's movies. And so we started watching the movies and, I fell in love with Spock and, you know, Picard and Uhura. And I just, I loved the storyline. I loved the world it created of all the futuristic things. And I just absolutely became this master Trekkie. And so I went to one Star Trek convention and I thought I was a Trekkie until I went there. Right. And I realized I am not. You're a Trekkie to that extreme. Nope. And I, yep, I've still got like my, I was going to, I forgot it. I was going to wear my Uhura, my little badge. I've got the oh, little, yeah. you know, calm mm-hmm. badge. And mm-hmm. I've got Spock ears <laughs> and, or the Vulcan ears. And I've got, yeah, I was like Uhura several times for Halloween. It oh, was really funny. Classic. And everybody's just like, oh, you're a Trekkie. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Oh, how adorable. How adorable. <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like uh, if we've learned anything on Star Trek stories, it's like, so how'd you get into Star Trek? My dad. 
Yeah, How do you get it at my dad? My dad. Usually e- everyone's it's a dad. dad. I feel like yeah. it is. Everyone's dad. Everyone's dad was a Trekkie and they passed it down. Um, yeah, and then as we've been talking, Star Trek, you know, all the fun future stuff, all the make us feel good stuff. Um, to our question earlier, do you think there is such a thing as a perfect future? I do not. You do not, yeah. I think the future is subjective to people's, and this is like my psychological mind coming out that future is subjective to people's own interpretations of what perfect Mm. is so your perfect future and my perfect future are probably entirely different Mm. and so it's like even on a world where you know there no one is suffering everybody's healthy nobody dies or you know things like that is that your future or somebody else's future Mm. so I don't think, I think there is a thing as a perfect future in that there's the perfect and the imperfection, Mm. but not necessarily a perfect. Totally perfect. Yeah. If you bring a, totally perfect. If you bring a, a white supremacist to Star Trek times, just, oh man, Uh, (laughs) everyone's getting along. (laughs) (laughs) This sucks. No war, no famine. What is this? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Dictators from the past. Oh, like, who can I take advantage of? You gotta, you gotta stand up, be the leader. <laughs> this future sucks. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, then it makes you even wonder if such a thing is possible. You know, if since probably our conceptions of what our ideal future would be changes, maybe on a, on a different day, even. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what? Right now, this is sounding like the oh. perfect future. Uh huh. Mm. I can tell you, me personally, it changes daily. Daily. Yeah wonder if you had a genie with wishes and you wish for the perfect future they could actually achieve it like, yeah like yeah. what would materialize if you could get an actually good genie right ra- yeah. rather than one like oh be careful what you wish for right. genies <laughs> yeah. those sneaky genies I-, I feel like you purposely <laughs> fuck this up it's not even my wish it's, <laughs> you well, it's out like, of your way to fuck this if up if you for think me. in like harry potter when he looks into the mirror and mm, the his parents uh, Ar- aristel aristel something like that in the first one you're supposed to show you your perfect world mm. And Harry and Ron will see things that are completely different. Yeah, completely different. He's in the and Dumbledore tells Harry, the happiest man in the world who has everything he wants would only look in the mirror and see himself. Mm. Interesting. So your your heart's innermost desires. I think is that mirror. Yeah. <sighs> so what's your heart's innermost desires? So Mine would be like chocolate rivers and basically a Willy Wonka world. The Willy Wonka, like <laughs> yeah. the Willy Wonka, so Willy Wonka's Wonka chocolate yeah. factory. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> land, I can just go land of sweets. <laughs> I got a job at Willy Wonka. The pay's okay, but oh, the chocolate benefits are <laughs> out of this world. Yes. Um, interesting. Well, um, Star Trek, of course, certainly has stuff to say on yes. perfect futures. Yes. Um, so we'll see if it gives us any insight today. Um uh, yes, like we said, we are watching Future Imperfect. Um, so at the very least, we'll get to see an imperfect future. Um, yes, this premiered November 12th, 1990. Um, this is the eighth episode produced for the fourth season. Um, and we are getting another Riker episode this time. Um, last time we honed in... On him on the podcast, we watched the epic two-parter Best of Both Worlds, uh, where he briefly became captain of the Enterprise and saved both Captain Picard and Earth from the Borg. Um, world-class hero. World-class hero. And, you know, Riker's whole thing has kind of been this whole, like, he comes on, he really wants to be the captain, but as time goes on, he's kind of happy where he is as first officer. So um that's an interesting kind of thing to consider for Riker. what's Riker's perfect future then that kind of shifts for him um, well it's got to include troy troy of course yeah that'll be fun with this one um because we haven't really checked in with Riker since that whole incident and he's been offered command of the enterprise or just offered his own command three times and he's turned it down three times because he says he wants to stay on the enterprise so uh, i think this will be a fun episode to kind of um check in back with him since we've watched that um Borg episode. Um, yeah, I think that should be a lot of fun. Um, for those of you at home who are going to watch along with us, um, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 4, Episode 8, and we will be back after we watch Future Imperfect.
What's the problem? I've had to shut down the warp engines, Captain. Why? Antimatter containment fields are fluctuating. It's nothing to worry about, though. We're in the edge of the neutral zone at impulse power, and you're not concerned? I'll have the engines back online in no time. Like you tracked down that faulty processing accelerator. I'm running a level one diagnostic. For 30 hours? That would never take you more than four. You're incapable of that level of incompetence, Mr. LaForge. Worf? Where did you get that scar? In combat. What battle? When? Which sector? Which unit? Mr. Data? If we left immediately, when would we arrive at Outpost 23? At warp one, three days, four hours. What about at warp seven? At warp eight? At warp nine? What's the matter, Data? What happened to those millions of calculations per second? Pardon me, sir. I'm experiencing subspace interference, which limits my abilities. I can't operate as quickly as... What did you say? I said I cannot operate... No! That's not what you said. You said I can't. You used a contraction, didn't you? Sir, I can explain if you would just give me a moment... No, you can't! Don't even try! Captain, perhaps it would be best if we discuss this... Shut up! Beg your pardon. I said shut up! As in close your mouth and stop talking! just got done watching future imperfect um in case you haven't seen this one or didn't watch it with us so basically what happens in this one is um the enterprise is uh, investigating like a star system near the romulan neutral zone they find some weird signals commander Riker and an away team beam da- uh, beam down he starts coughing because of some gas suddenly wakes up and it's 16 years later, and he's the captain of the Enterprise um, in the middle of negotiations with the Romulans. Um, figures out he has a son, but eventually he figures out all this is an illusion. And then it seems like it's the Romulans who are playing a prank on him in order to get the location of a secret outpost. In the end, it's revealed that the his son is actually an, an alien who's living in this planet all by himself in this weird, like V like perfect VR that can scan your brain and give you what you want. He's lost his family. He's lost his people and everything. And he, he just wanted someone real to hang out with and play with and has been putting on this whole show for Riker. So he would stay. Um, eventually, uh, Riker figures this out. He takes the alien boy up with him and, we assume lives happily ever after <laughs> the last of his kind last of his kind um we always start start with initial thoughts caitlin initial thoughts from watching future imperfect it's definitely a boy's vision of somebody's perfect like the little boy gives riker what he thinks every, everything riker wants but it's not. And that's where Riker always realizes that it's fake. Yeah. It's definitely a little boy's fantasy. You get everything you want mm-hmm. and everything's perfect. You know, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, I, I've seen this one a bunch of times, but this time I was really thinking like, this is all a little boy's perception mm-hmm. f- for what he, he thinks should be reality. It's like, why wouldn't it make sense? Mm-hmm. But there's really quick gaps and yeah. mm, something's not quite right here. Yep. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Aaron, initial thoughts off of um, Future Imperfect. You know, every time there's going to be an alien on the show, I feel like this is every single time that we're never going to see again. Mm-hmm. It's always the gray, big-eyed 
bulbous head alien look. Yes. Always. And then you never see that species again. Uh, they're gone. They all, but if you lined up all those species in a row, they would look exactly the same. Mm. Yeah, that's always fun. When you get like the one-offs, the makeup is much more involved. But when you get like, they got to come back week after week. Um, we don't have that budget. You're a human with a weird haircut. <laughs> And like, I don't know, like a ridge on your forehead or something. <laughs> um, I know you and Cass at home have been, I know we're catching up to where you guys, have you seen this one recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did watch it. I don't think I finished this one with her. Um, did you know the ending to this one? Have you seen this one before? No, because I was watching with this with her, I remember. And then I think I had to go to work or something. Because mm. as far as I knew, it was still a Romulan plot to... Mm. to take the memories out of Will Riker's head. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was a little kid just trying to connect with people. Um, yeah, they go a little Inception in this one where mm-hmm. it's like a dream within what a dream, dream yeah. kind of a thing. But this was always one of my favorites um, when I was a little kid. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe just this, the fact that there was the little kid in there and like and Riker daddy, mm-hmm. you know, something about that I really liked, but... I remember just the idea that like, oh, here's this future and then it's the Romulans and then it's not that. Like, I don't think I'd ever been like double faked out mm-hmm. before and that was really exciting to me. It's like, this was around the time when I was watching as a little kid that like I remember watching it as it was coming out. And this was when I this is when I went back to a lot as a kid. I loved this episode as a kid. Um I don't know if I'd rank it as a favorite now, but as a kid, if you'd asked me, oh uh, yeah, as a little kid, which one, which one of your favorites? I'm like, I probably would have listed this one. Actually, Future Imperfect. I love this one. I thought it was so cool. It was so clever in my little kid brain. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, I guess we can start with. This is a Riker episode. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, last episode, Aaron, we kind of talked about how I think a lot of the episodes we're going to see in this segment is, you know, um, they have the featured regular character of the week and kind of honing in on them. Last week, we watched that Dr. Crusher, everyone's disappearing episode. And we talked about how, like, you know, they could have done anyone Anyone could have been the star of this one, but they chose Dr. Crusher and it seemed to really work with this one. Um, now we get kind of one of these with Riker. Um, what's the, does this really work as a Riker episode? Um, does this kind of flesh him out a little bit more? We've seen a little bit of this kind of like, do I want to be the, do I want to be a captain? Do I want to stay in the enterprise? And we get a little bit of that. He gets his ideal future where he's the captain of, the Enterprise. Does this kind of flesh out Riker a bit more? What's our thought on like how this works as a Riker episode? It does work to flesh him out. Um, what was the first part of your question? I had an answer to it. I just can't remember. Well, you know, like I said, like you know how there's like there's the 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 character the or the oh yeah the 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 actor of the week. How we could have could we put another actor in this place and have it be just as good? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think Riker's character is just enough like in the wind for this one that yeah you don't know his long-term goals you don't know except that maybe he wants to be the captain of the enterprise someday Someday. yeah and i think from a little kid's perspective he's thinking well if you're the first in command of course your goal is to then be the next step up which is you know that i think Riker is also just you know not quite military enough like picard at times but you know human enough that he'd be like oh you can be my dad because like um obviously you know anybody else it honestly would not have worked laforge you know anything you would not have gotten that perspective but it's like here's the first commander oh you're the first in line you could be captain and oh hey you could be a dad and everything so from a little kid's perspective, mm. Riker was like the perfect person to try and grasp onto. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, had, I hadn't thought about that. Like um, thinking about from a kid, who would you, who would you want to be your 
this kid's basically looking for like a parental figure, even if like, maybe they don't know that that that's what they're looking for. And then, and you know, on the away team, Jordy and Worf come down, but he clearly latches on to Riker. Do you think anyone would would make a a really good parental figure more so than Riker? Well, we did have some... T- I mean, there are a few instant- instances where Picard is shown to have a son. Mm. Or, you know, things like that. And he's the same way of, like, I don't know how to be a dad. Mm. I mean, these men, their life is Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I think Riker is, like, the perfect candidate. He is a guy that you can always tell underneath it all he's trying to find, like, that... Searching life that's searching for mm. life, you know, the wife, the child, still being able to be in Starfleet, you know, especially because Troy, she mentions she was the perfect captain's wife. Mm. Or meaning, you know, the she was always faithful, always supporting, never cared of how much he's away. But also the ship's counselor. Also the ship's counselor. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I wonder so. how much of it was like the kid, even if he was still a kid, like afraid to leave the place as much as he wanted to get away. Cause part of his illusion, especially in the plan B was them escaping the Romulan ship. So it's like how much of that was him like picking Riker to be a, a dad in the fantasy world forever where they could stay and be happy. And how much of it was him picking him as like a, his escape plan, mm-hmm. right? Even subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially once it's all revealed to be a Romulan plot, and it really quick goes into this fantasy. Let's escape. Mm-hmm. It happens so fast. Yeah. Suddenly like, we're escaping from prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we just knock them out instantaneously and it's easy. And look how this, we just flew I have out this of here. Secret hiding place not no one knows about. Yeah, it almost feels like this kid is subconsciously wanting to escape and almost wants Riker to kind of Of course he does. Beam us up. Like get, get us out of here. Um, it's, it's also interesting thinking about then Riker potentially filling a parental role and, or feeling a, but you will also, you are also the one I trust to get me out of this situation. Really interesting. Cause you know, he talks about the scanners that probe his mind. I wonder how much those scanners also are able to feed him info as to like, this is the guy I need to like, I wonder if there was like some kind of off screen thing where it's like, he could see Worf's brain. He could see Jordy's brain. He could see oh, Riker's yeah. brain. And I'm it's looking, like, Oh, I really like Riker. Yeah. I'm looking for the quintessential dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of all three, this is the one you want. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to think of the hypotheticals where it's like Worf's future imperfect or oh gosh, Jordy's future imp- <laughs> imperfect. <laughs> um, uh, as far as like the future that's presented for Riker, I don't know. What do we think that they get right and they get wrong? Because like you said, this is very much a, a little boy's perception of maybe what Riker wants. What do we think they get it, and, and he says, this is, this is stemming from your own desires. So to some degree, this is correct. But in, on another degree, this is not correct. So I don't know. What do we think? And like, what about future Riker's future works in terms of what he would want? And what maybe do we think doesn't actually line up with what he wants? I think... I just had a, a moment here. I think I'm onto something. Mm. The moment Riker was chosen and they were in the simulation together, the the things that were creating the environment started uh, projecting what they wanted, both of them, not just what he wanted or what the kid wanted. Just some computer there algorithm. Were things like them not him not being together with Troy, right? Like in a perfect Riker world, that would probably be a thing. They would be together and they would have a son, mm. right? Um, at least at that point in Riker's life. So it's weird that it, he chose for Riker to have a different mom or a different wife and for that wife to be dead like the kid's mother was, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's not just Riker's perfect world. It's the kid's perfect world with Riker as well. 
Crusher does have that line where she's like, like you think about it from Ethan's point of view, he's just, he's lost his mom and now he's lost his dad. And that is, that is actually speaking to the kid's actual Mm -hmm. reality. Like it's kind of a giveaway right there. Yeah. Losing his mom would have been too painful. So why create a holographic version of her that he's supposed to be chummy with and love? So instead the mom was killed off. And so all he had to really focus on was the dad who we never really find out, but he probably lost him a lot earlier. Kids are usually bonded with their mothers more so than their fathers. But yeah, she's purposely absent. Yeah. From the whole thing. Yeah. So the kid was thinking he can't be with Troy. Troy's not my mom. Yeah. Troy's not my my mom. My mom was my mom. So he has to be with my mom who died. Because Troy is, I think in like what they got right was that Riker I think someday would want to be a captain, but that it's not in a result of Picard having been lost or something like that. Riker can be captain and still have his family in a sense, his Starfleet family all around him alive and well, sees them often, things like that. And that I think is Riker's perfect future in a sense, meaning, you know, he's able to still, be with his Starfleet family, but they can still progress and not have any hard feelings or not have, no one has been lost, you know, to the world in a sense. Everyone is still alive. Well, Mm -hmm. they're just in different positions in the the world. Yeah, that is interesting. And and it almost feels like if you were thinking carefully, it would be a dead giveaway. It's like, wait, the same exact people that I'm close with now are the basically the exact same people 16 years later like mm-hmm. yeah Picard but like he more or less has ev- like the enterprise isn't that different Mm-mm. the uniforms are more or less the exact same it's all readily identifiable for him and it's like all his best friends are basically cuz it's kind of implied that like Riker was on the the fast track to command until he came to the enterprise and found a family that he never had and that's what kind of st- halts him a bit it's like wait a minute i've never had this i want something like this and then that's kind of what he gets in his future um i'm captain and all my friends are still here that is really interesting to think about whereas it's like yeah think if you really think about it in 16 years now granted aaron you and i have known each other for a long time and we're still in each other's lives but like imagine if you if we were all still in either our, the original boys house or boys house, the next generation. And that was just still going on with more or less the same people. Sure. You suddenly woke up. It's like, Oh, 16 years, 16 years later, but you're still living with all your friends. I'm like, something's off here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody grew. Nobody changed. Nobody right. Nobody grew. Yet. Nobody changed. <laughs> we're all still in this house. Really? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like everybody's in the same positions except Troy Picard. And if you think about it from that, Riker, if Troy had stayed on, Riker would be with her. But the little boy almost had to get rid of her. And so when she says, he gave me an offer I could not say no to. Mm -hmm. It's as a way of like, that's the only reason she left. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if she had stayed on as counselor, Riker, as cap, they would have totally ended up together. Mm -hmm. But the little boy didn't want the mom. Very interesting. Um, and that's the slip up is when when Riker finally sees the mom and it's Minuet. I don't know if you remember this episode. Yeah, I remember Minuet <laughs> very much so. We have watched that one on the podcast and it was like his ideal dream woman fantasy woman in like his little jazz nightclub scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does come come back in a non-speaking role just to reprise the role um very interesting that yeah it'd be curious like this episode the more you think about it brings up lots of really interesting subconscious psychological stuff because it's like did the censors pick up is minuet actual rikers perfect like who he imagined or is or was it troy but then the boy picked up on him like i don't want that so i don't know and and then it went to some other thing in riker's mind 
and pick minuet and that's the is interesting it's interesting to think about like where in Riker's mind does say Deanna or minuet show up the fantasy versus the actual woman in his life um and is it the boy screwing up because he doesn't want a mom figure or what's going on there? Interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Maybe Riker figures everything out because he had real feelings for Minuet and he knew what it felt like to have feelings for a virtual being. Mm. Right. And so he sees these recreations of people that he knows in his real life. He's like, something's off. Something doesn't feel quite right with this Beverly in front of me mm. or this Picard. Right. They feel like Minuet. You know, speaking of the kid, how do we think, um, you know, I have his name here, I think. Chris Demetral? Demetral? I don't know, Chris. If you're listening, let me know. Um, Because the other star of this episode, aside from Riker, is is the kid. Barash, as we learn, is his name. He also goes by Ethan Jean-Luc. What are our thoughts on him? I know, like, child actors on shows can have a spotty track record how do we think he does in this he's just old enough that he's acting Mm -hmm. he's like making choices you know Mm -hmm. he does a good job yeah he's young enough that he's very neutral on his acting in Mm -hmm. some ways Mm -hmm. you know he's he's got you know i'm gonna look down and look sad i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do these things you know (laughs) well done pat um but honestly like looks wise kind of persona if Riker were going to have a son, I think he did, like, he was spot on. Great casting. Yeah, very good casting. He looks like Riker. He kind of has that demeanor that you can almost imagine a younger Riker doing it. You know, he's the reckless, but still smart and takes after his old man, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. So I think he did that really well. He definitely played into Riker's paternal mm. instincts mm-hmm. really well. Oh, and he gets a hug. And he gets a hug. And it's funny because you could almost so think that psychologically that the kid as the alien was going, I've been waiting for this moment. Mm. You know, so he's like, everything's going to be okay. Someone. It's going to be fine. He might be what, I don't know, makes the whole episode work because I every even I've seen this a whole bunch of times it so I know exactly how it's going to turn out and everything but when I watch him I'm like I even though I know he isn't I completely believe him as Riker's son It, it it I think it totally works um I wonder how much like time he got to kind of prep for this mm-hmm. if you got to like watch Jonathan Frakes at all or you're going to be his son yeah. so study up on how he's going to be and it feels it feels right though it's like yeah you totally seem like you would be like Riker's kid yeah um yeah kudos to him I think he, I think he does a good job yeah with this. I mean he can't be more than 12 he's pretty young when he filmed this and I think he did a really great job especially when you're carrying basically the storyline in and of yourself you know we also have to talk about because he's shown up on the show twice before and we haven't really talked about him a lot um aaron um we have to talk about andreas katsoulas i i don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce his name the actor who plays tomalak yeah mm-hmm. uh he was featured not too long ago in our Romulan twofer. He was in both of those as like the on-screen Romulan antagonist. And then he shows up in this one, but it's not actually him. It's an illusion of him. Um, yeah, how do we think... How does he work in this? Does he feel like... I mean, well, A, he's he's just a great Romulan. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. He's so good. Perfect. Iconic so good Romulan. Perfect. He's snide. He's looking down at his nose at all these people all the time. Very elitist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got it down. Does a great job. Um, interesting inclusion. At first, I was like, "Have we seen him? We I've uh, have we seen him in other tricks?" And I didn't realize it was as a Romulan. I thought he was one of those sneaky Star Trek actors that shows up as 
Yeah, he's replaying the a same role alien or something. in those yeah. two Romulan episodes. Um, Still the same Romulan guy. It's a really smart, especially if we're trying to throw the audience off, it's a really smart choice because he feels like, as soon as he shows up, you're like, oh, something's up. Even though he is not has nothing to do with actually what's with with a, what's actually happening, mm-hmm. but as soon as he shows up, it's such a good misdirect. Yeah. He feels like the ultimate Romulan sneaky bastard. Yeah, and he he gets it, and then even um, you know Troy is like, I sense nothing but sincerity between him. You know, he wants this peace treaty. It's like. Mm, no Romulans don't want peace how many episodes <laughs> are there of Romulans and Enterprise trying to have peace and it never works multiple series multiple. we will <laughs> never have peace it's like part of the whole backstory of Star Trek Star and Romulans Trek. the Romulans are shady sneaky bastards <laughs> who are, are just looking for their little wedge to get in yeah. there <laughs> Uh, it's a really smart use of them because it's like as soon as the Romulans show up, you're like, okay, it's clearly the Romulans. And it's it's not. Yeah, it's a child. A Tomalaka was supposed to be a recurring adversary for the show, but this is more or less his last real media appearance on the show. Um, yeah, he doesn't reappear until much later. Um, but I guess because in the, in the first two appearances – he, he played just the Romulan on screen mm-hmm. and it was just, he, he represented more of this Romulan threat than actually being a character. And then they brought him onto this one. It's like, okay, you're going to walk around and do stuff. And he said, uh, the actor has now since passed away, unfortunately, but uh, he said he was very nervous about this one. Cause he was like, I don't know how to pl- actually play the part I was just a face on a screen. It was just a camera doing this. And I was just like, surrender, Captain. It's this kind of very, it's the kind of role as an actor. It's like, uh, I can go, I can go film that on a Tuesday real quick. Surrender, Captain. You're outnumbered, you know, and you really, okay, but we want you to walk around. We want you to interact with Patrick and everyone. He's like, I have no idea how to actually play this. Conversations. Yeah. Any of that. Which I wouldn't have guessed, because he carries himself, I think, really well in this. But yeah, I think he did a good job. He's very portrays being quote unquote suddenly good. If Romulans were suddenly good, mm-hmm. this is how they would do it. You know? Admiral Picard, Commander Riker, it's good to see you again. Yes, and also Troy, who's in the room, and Troy. <laughs> bring good. much peace to my people. My people. My people as well. Of course. Yes. I do believe he requested after this to not ever show up in the show again unless it was an on, like just an on-screen yeah. role. Yeah, I like, can see how don't. it would be very daunting to be like, oh, we wrote this episode almost in, like with a big plot entirely revolves around you almost. You, almost, yeah. yeah. He's listed first in the guest cast. Yeah. Even though he's playing just like an illusion form of himself. Yep. Which is kind of funny because if, if you watch Babylon 5, the makeup is much more extreme. And he's a main character. He's in it all the time. But this was, he's like, well, I don't know about this. <laughs> See, it's funny to me that he had struggled so much. Because at a certain point, it's just like, well, I memorize my lines. I hit my marks and I do the thing. Right. I got hired to right. do the job. I'm going to do it. And he does a good job. It's funny to hear about the internal struggle. Come on, man. You're an actor. Get yourself together. Yeah, very interesting. He does a great job, though. I, 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 I always, I always wish he would show up more. I think he would have been a great recurring antagonist for this crew. Every time he shows up, I think he's really good. What a fun little episode. I, I always love watching. This one is hugely nostalgic for me. Um, it's always fun to revisit for me. Um, they found an angel. That's what it is. It's the Riker finds an angel episode. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bring him home. Yeah. Yeah. Great Riker episode, I think. Like like we said, like anyone if in theory could do this, but I think they really hone in. It's like this should be a Riker episode. I really like Riker and Jonathan Frakes playing this one. 
sometimes I feel it feels like Riker's just kind of there, just doing his shields up, red alert thing. But when he actually gets, and it's easy to overlook Riker, and we've talked about it before, but when he's honed in, I think he's great. Yeah, he he really brings it. And even had a shields up, red alert moment in the episode. Sh- shields up, red alert, <laughs> Captain. This is <laughs> it's fine. Uh, oof. Can we say how weird it is to see Data in the red uniform? Yeah. Yeah. Off. Doesn't, off. Something. Yeah. It wasn't. Mm. I also love Worf just kind of hunched over Data's console. Captain. <laughs> scar down his face. I know. Face. It was like a random scar. It's like, what's that about? What Worf's was... perfect future. I had this epic I, battle scar. It was I'm awesome. Battle. I'm in pain every day and I love it. <laughs> um, also, real quick. It, it it always is crazy to me that they cast LeVar Burton as Geordi. Because in this episode, we get to see... He's famous for how expressive his eyes are. That's one of the things he's famous for. Reading Rainbow. Come reading, on. Reading Rainbow childhood. Roots. He does so much just eye, eye acting. And he gets... It's a... Okay. You, the thing you're known for, you can't do it at all in Star Trek The Next Generation. So yeah. to actually see his eyes in this episode, I'm always struck by like, man, he, uh, emotion, yeah, facial he can't expression. hide it. Yeah. Wow. And even later when it ha- he's got the little implants on the side of his face so he no longer needs the visor, Yeah. he doesn't have regular eyes that are like, you know, filmed over. Yeah. But yeah, in this, he's just like... It's just his regular, regular, which eyes. makes you wonder, like as actor, what was going on behind that, what goes on behind that visor, how expressive is he actually being, actually being, versus like you can let it all out now, you can let loose. I love seeing it. he's so good, just emoting with his eyes. He just communicates so much, and the fact that he just has to do this across the the hairband across the eye for seven seasons. He said he. He hated it. Well, I can only imagine. He couldn't see a fucking thing. Oh, yeah. It's just these little slits. He's like, I can more or less see basically where I need to go. But hit your mark. I can't. I'm wearing a fucking thing across my eyes. (laughs) Fuck you. Well, and it's not comfy either. I mean, they probably tried to make it as realistic possible, meaning it's not made out of like a nice soft, you know, styrofoam probably even or anything. It's definitely metal. And he's got to wear it, and that can get heavy, and you bump something. Oh, my gosh. I just, yep. Basically has to learn how to act again. Yeah. With yeah. It's interesting, yeah. How do you act as Jordy when you don't have your visor? Yeah. yeah. Are you still Jordy? Or are you <laughs> not? Are you suddenly this new character? Seeing Jordy. Other Jordy. Yeah. Um, well, Caitlin, thank you for coming on. You're for coming on thank and, you for and watching me. with us. That it was, was so fun. Good. So good. Ugh. Oh, and I will point out, we actually got to see Troy in an actual Starfleet uniform for half of it. And yeah. not in her stereotypical sexy counselor. <laughs> like Her off lavender onesie or her boob dress. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen her in a uniform since the pilot. And even then, in the pilot, she's wearing like her space cheerleader Oh gosh, that Uniform, was so bad. The little mini skirt version. <laughs> the the boots. boots. The go go boots. Yeah, the go go boots. She's wearing the boots with the hair that's just as big. <laughs> All right, in the future, you finally get to wear clothes. Oh, oh my I know, God. You actually look like a respectable person. <laughs> Not how much cleavage can we give you and still get away with it on TV? That dress she wears, that boot dress she wears, because she wears it in the regular scenes of the episode. It's shameless. It is. It's sh- how they shoot it. It's clearly just like right there, right there. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Camera angle. Put your slow down a little bit. Just so. puff your chest out a bit, Marina. There you <laughs> go. Oh, oh my bit. god, it's it's so silly. Um, but thank you for having me. That was fun. It was so good to have you. We'll have to have you gone. Oh yeah. On again in the future. Always happy to be back. Yeah. Um, we're delving into um, D Space and Voyager and Enterprise and oh, Modern gosh. Truck coming down the road. Yes. So oh, I'm sure Good we'll ones. find something for you. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Um, yes, please. That was fun. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed Future Imperfect. Um, next week, we're going to be watching Final Mission. 
this is not the final episode of the podcast. Um, this is the episode where Will Wheaton's Wesley Crusher leaves the show. Um, I'm devastated. Devast. I'm devastated. <laughs> I was devastated. <laughs> my little t- 11-year-old heart was devastated. It I lost was- my purpose for watching Star Trek for what's a moment. The, what's the point now? <laughs> It won't be the last time we see oh, him. Heavens no. um, but it is when he leaves the show as a regular character. And so this will be the second time we get to see another character exit from the show. The first time was the infamous skin of evil in which Tasha Yar got flung across the set by a <laughs> black <it>. goo monster. <laughs> the Yar Yeet. The Yar Yeet. So, yeah, we'll get to see... I don't know, Star Trek handling another character exit from the show. That'll be interesting. And we will have a new friend on to talk about that one with us. So that's always fun. It's always fun to have new friends. Um, Aaron, as always, thank you very much. Jaren, thanks for having me. Thank you, Aaron. Um, thank you again, Caitlin. Thank you, Jaren. Um, and hopefully we will see you all in a perfect future not an imperfect future hopefully you don't wake up 16 years in the future with a random gray streak across your hair Hair. the streaks all in the same place and all your friends are still in the same place just with another random gray streak across their hair oh we'll see you next time everyone thank you so much thanks for listening If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.